Welcome back to the Titanic Museum Attraction Podcast. I am Officer Emily, and on this episode, we will take a look at one exceptional Titanic family, the Caldwells. The Caldwells were an ambitious young missionary couple, eager to travel and spread God's word. Only after the birth of their son, Alden, did they realize the need to return home, to America, for medical reasons. But before I go any further and spill the entire story, I need to introduce our special guest. You see, the Titanic Museum has a fantastic network of descendants, and we are so fortunate to have our dear friend, author, professor, and Titanic passenger descendant, Julie Hedgepath-Williams with us today. Julie shares her Titanic family story in her book, A Rare Titanic Family, and we are so honored to have her share that story with us today. Hello, I'm Julie Hedgepath-Williams, and I'd like to tell you about my great-uncle, Albert Caldwell, who survived the Titanic in second class. He also um, survived with his family, his wife, Sylvia, and their infant son, Alden. Uncle Al was 26 years old at the time, and he lived to be 91, and I knew him well. It was one of the great joys of my life that I got to hear the story from him firsthand. Uncle Al met his wife, Sylvia, in college, and they married, and the day of their wedding left to go to Bangkok, Thailand, or Siam as it was called then, where they became missionaries at a Presbyterian boys' school. Their baby son, Alden, was born there in Siam, and after his birth, Sylvia's health was suffering, so they applied for permission to go home. They left and took a small ship through the Indian Ocean, where Sylvia was seasick every single day, and they arrived in Naples, looking to go to a spa for Sylvia's health. However, when they got there, they found out there was a cholera plague in Naples, and they realized they couldn't stay. So they agreed to take the first ship they saw, leaving for New York. Now, it's easy to see when a ship is sailing for a country because it's flying the flag of that country. And there in the harbor that day was a ship flying the American flag. And Uncle Al asked a sailor, what ship is that? And he said, why, that's the Carpathia leaving for New York today. Well, the Caldwells stood in line to buy tickets to the Carpathia, but in the end they decided it wasn't the best idea because it was the exact same size as the ship that Sylvia had been so seasick on, and they feared she would be seasick some more. And at that moment they also saw the ad for the Titanic, the largest ship on the ocean. Now, the larger the ship, the less likely you are to be seasick. So Uncle Al turned to Sylvia and he said, there that's the ship we're taking so they made their way to london and went to the white star line office to ask for a second class passage on the titanic and the clerk said sorry sold out oh uncle al was so crestfallen this was the largest ship in the world how could it be sold out and the clerk could tell he was upset. Uncle Al said, I must have looked like a very disappointed boy because the clerk said, Oh, sir, every day there's a cancellation. If you come in tomorrow, you can have the first cancellation that comes in. 
so Uncle Al went in the next day, nervous and sweating, hoping for a canceled ticket. And someone called a cancellation in around noon, and it was even in second class, exactly what the Caldwells had wanted. They were so lucky, they thought, they were going home on the Titanic. So on April 10th, they got on the boat train with everybody else, and they were astonished when people kept saying that the Titanic was unsinkable. Well, Sylvia just could hardly believe this, and so she asked a deckhand who was carrying their baggage to their cabin on the Titanic. She said, is this ship really unsinkable? And that deckhand answered with the most famous line ever spoken about the Titanic, and I know you know it. He said, Yes, lady, God himself could not sink this ship. Well, the Caldwells had an absolutely beautiful voyage. For one thing, they were both very musically inclined, and the Titanic's band played outside the second-class library. They were thrilled they could hear music whenever they wanted. Also, they had a library. Uh, they also were amazed at the speed the Titanic was making. The sailors would post the speed of the ship and the distance traveled each day, and this was a real eye-opener and a wow factor for Uncle Al. Even better was the ship was so stable there was no rolling or pitching, and Sylvia was not seasick. It was the first time she had ever been at sea without being seasick. And this was a great advantage because, as Uncle Al put it, the tables of the Titanic were piled high with all the luxuries and delicacies one could ever want to eat, and Sylvia could actually enjoy them. Well, on April 14th, it was a Sunday, so of course our good missionaries went to the church service in the second-class dining saloon, and it was a hymn sing a very pleasant service they sang mostly hymns but the hymn around which the pastor made a short sermon was the old naval hymn eternal father strong to save and the la uh, last line is this prayer oh hear us when we cry to thee for those in peril on the sea they were certainly praying for themselves but they didn't know it well, that night, Sylvia was lying awake when she felt the ship shudder. She felt the ship hit the iceberg. She sent Uncle Al out to find out what was going on, and he came back with the news from an officer that they had just run into a little iceberg. No harm was done. So he went back to bed. Well, they were awakened by pounding on the door and, and beckoned out on the deck to get into a lifeboat. Well, they were astounded when people actually were getting into lifeboats because there seemed to be no problem to the ship. The crew was not panicked. The deck was not sloping. There was no sound of the inrush of water. Uncle Al went back to the cabin to get more blankets for the baby, and he stepped through and then back through a watertight door that was still open. He had been led to believe, now it was wrong, but he thought that the captain could push an electric button on the bridge and automatically drop watertight doors all around the ship. Actually, um, they, they, that only worked for the engine room, but he didn't know that. So he thought, well, the captain had not pushed the button to drop the doors, so it must not be much danger. So the Caldwells were kind of milling around, waiting for the all-clear to go back to their cabin, when some stokers suddenly appeared on the deck where they were waiting, and one of them recognized my great-uncle. Now, how did that happen? Well, 
Uncle Al had a camera. They bought one to go to Siam and, of course, sent home lots of pictures of the new grandbaby. Uncle Al toured the Titanic, looking for opportunities to take photographs, and in the engine room he photographed the stokers shoveling coal into the furnaces. And then he got the idea that every tourist has had since. He wanted to be in the picture, too. So he borrowed a shovel and had another stoker take his picture, and they exchanged names. That's what ultimately saved him, because on this night, as they waited for the supposed all-clear to go back to their cabin, these stokers appeared where the Caldwells were waiting, and one of them recognized Uncle Al, and he called him by name and said, Mr. Caldwell, if you value your life, get off this ship. I've been below, and the hold is filling up with water, and this ship will go down. And that is what convinced my great-uncle to get off of, on Lifeboat 13 with his family. And they were all saved. They spent a horrible night on the Atlantic, wondering if anybody would ever come to their rescue. But at dawn, the rescue ship appeared, and they were amazed that they knew it already. It was the Carpathia, the very ship they had turned down in Naples for being too small, and she certainly loomed large from the lifeboats. Sometimes life has a funny way of bringing us back around to where we might have been in the first place. To continue the Caldwell story, we would like to now present a reading of an actual letter written by Albert Caldwell in response to a request sent by his alma mater school newspaper. Dear Mr. Buchanan, Have at hand your letter dated April 29th. In answer to your request for us to send pictures, I beg to state that every picture or anything looking like a picture that we ever possessed is at the bottom of the Atlantic. With reference to our recent experience, you wrote that you did not want a detailed account, but a few facts concerning our rescue. As the alumni have all seen the accounts in the papers, I will only give a few personal incidents. I owe my life to my baby boy, or rather to God who used him to save me. The very fact that I had him in my arms gave me the precedence to take a place in the lifeboat after the women and children were loaded. We were in boat number 13, not unlucky this time, as we were among the first to reach the rescue ship Carpathia. I saw none of the famous people, as I was too busy looking after my wife and baby to see anyone. The most exciting and perilous moment we had was at the time the lifeboat was being lowered. We thought at any moment we would all be spilled out, as two boatloads of women and children were lost that way. Boat number 15 came down on top of us while we were trying to loose the block and tackle, and we thought at any moment we would be crushed. There was no officer in our boat, which numbered about 50 women and children and 15 men, so we elected a stoker to be in command of the boat. We were about half a mile from the Titanic when she sank, and I will never forget the shrieks of the people in the water. We supposed at the time that there were only 40 or 50, never dreaming that over 1,600 
would lose their lives that night. The sea was as calm as a lake, which was nothing less than a miracle. The baby slept through it all, and is none the worse for this experience. He was pulled up in a sack when we arrived at Carpathia. Mrs. Caldwell and the baby slept in a corner on the floor of the dining saloon, but we were all thankful to have any place at all to sleep. I attribute the wreck to nothing but carelessness. We all thought the boat non-sinkable, and I believe that the poor fellows who were lost had that hope to the last that she would not sink for many hours. I think the real heroes were the officers who stayed at their posts knowing that the boat would soon sink, and the sailors who helped others into the boats and let them down one by one, never thinking of taking a place for themselves, which they could have so easily done, and yet realizing all the time that their only means of escape was the lifeboats, which were leaving without them. It was an awful experience, and one that I can never forget. But I am so thankful to God that we were one of the very few families who were saved together. We are all well with the exception that Mrs. Caldwell is still suffering from the nervous shock, but we are grateful and happy here with our loved ones. Yours sincerely, Albert Caldwell. A special thanks to Officer Jonathan for bringing a voice to Albert's letter, and to Julie Hedgepath Williams for sharing her great-uncle's Titanic story. If you want to continue learning about the Caldwell story, you can purchase Miss Williams' book, A Rare Titanic Family, on our website. And you can see an actual Caldwell family artifact at our museum in Branson, Missouri. The Caldwells' family story certainly had a positive ending. The majority of the others, however, did not. But those of us who have lost part of our families know that it is better to have love and lost them than to never experience that love or family member at all. We hope you take this chance to show your family your love. Remind each member how special they are to you. Be thankful when you are all together and share the good times with others. That is the way we honor the past. We tell their stories. We do our part to keep their memory alive. And we hope that you will choose to do the same.